This is On Call with Dr. Dave. For this week's episode, we have a special guest. I mean, all of our guests are special. They're all special. So I don't even know why I say that. I guess we just have a guest, but <laughs> she's special like all of our guests are special. But Nurse Lori, I met Nurse Lori when we were living in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And a couple of things we learned about Nurse Lori is this was a second career to be a nurse. She started out going to school and became a teacher. Yeah, and it, I think it really informs the way that she tries to educate her parent, her patients, which is really, really great. And then also we had some high highs and low lows with Lori. She talked about some some pretty tough stuff and some pretty funny things too. Yep. So a little bit of a trigger warning. I put it on the post, but also just in the audio before you listen, there are a couple stories about infant loss, and if that's something you're not ready to hear or listen to. You may want to skip the first 10 minutes. The second 10 minutes lightens up and you'll definitely enjoy that. But even the first 10 minutes, if you can, I think it's an important aspect of just medicine in general. Not every story is happy and not every um, not everything's easy in nursing or medicine. So I just think it adds a complexity and some depth to, to Lori's story. Yeah, it makes you empathize with uh, the nurses that are there when things don't go well and can be there for their patients. And also I empathize with the second story that she told, and I'm not going to give too much away about it, but I could definitely see myself landing in this situation. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to the channel and please share this with your friends and rate it as much as you can. We appreciate you listening and enjoy nurse Lori. This is On Call with Dr. Dave. I'm here with my wife, Ashley, and today we're talking to Nurse Lori. Nurse Lori and I met when I was in Baltimore doing my fellowship. She, at that point, was an OR nurse, but I know she's been in different aspects of nursing throughout her career. So, Lori, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. So, I know that you have some amazing stories. I I see you active on social media. I know you're more than willing to jump into lots of different conversations. I know you have opinions you're not afraid to share. And so I <laughs> want to hear your stories from medicine and the things that you found important, interesting in your career. Hmm, okay. Well, yes, I've been a nurse for almost 26 years. And it was a second career for me. I was, um, my first degree was in education. So I became a postpartum nurse, right, out of school and started giving back and working with families that, you know, you come in as a couple and you leave as a family of three or four. And to be part of that transition is really an, a gift. It's an, it's an honor and it's amazing to be the person that helps, like I was. <laughs> I was a nervous first-time mom. And to be able to help and, and put yourself in their shoes and say, you know, you know more than you think, and you're going to be fine, and we're going to figure this out together. And when you go home, you're going to be okay. You're going to know. You can do this. That's important. I remember we took our son home. We were in medical school, and I still had... I just, it felt so strange to leave the hospital with that baby and just know mm -hmm. that the whole care of that baby was mine. Even growing up with a lot of the younger brothers and sisters, it still was 
jarring to all of a sudden have this little life in my hands and even clicking the seatbelt and putting in the safety stuff and the little baby care in the car, there's all that doubt. Am I doing this right? Am I putting him in right? Is it buckled right? Are we going to get home safely? What? And just everything changes in that moment. So well, I'm yeah. signing the paperwork with like mother, like that's, <laughs> that was, that was the biggest thing when the nurse, like you sign here and to the side of it, it said mother. And I was like, Oh, what have I done? <laughs> so they're, they're lucky that they had you there at that moment mm -hmm. to reassure them. Cause I think that's what m most of us need in that moment is that reassurance that we can do it. Right. Right. Because you know, you can read all the books, you can talk to all your friends. What is it like? What's, what's labor and delivery like? What's, the birthing process like until you go through it yourself and have your own child you just you don't know you don't know until you look at that baby and you go okay we got a lot to figure out here so I think that's where the nurses in that environment play a real you know can make it or break it for the for the new mom and her family I agree so I, I always took my my role seriously. And, um, I loved it. I loved what I did. So I was a bedside nurse for a while. We left Maryland. My husband's job took us to Connecticut and I worked for a small community hospital. I learned labor and delivery. And after a year, I didn't feel like I was going to have a panic attack. Every time someone came in and labor, I knew what to do. And being a community hospital, we have a lot of autonomy. Um, we would do the cervical checks. We would, the OBs had to be, you know, within a certain time frame of the hospital. But we really managed the labor cases. And I delivered two babies myself because they were second time moms. And those babies have their own idea about when it's time to be born. So that was you know, exciting when you don't have time to panic or, you know, it's like when you do CPR, you don't, you just go into the Zen mode and you're calm and you do what has to be done and, you know, freaking out isn't going to help anybody. Started working in labor and delivery. And and the thing is, when you work in L&D, people say, oh, what a happy place to be. And, you know, it's it's not always. And that's, that's really a misconception that people have. Um, I work night shift, and of course, you know, things happen at night. Um, it's always at night. Always at night. When when I was a, the, going back to my first L&D stand, I was very soon off of orientation. And of course, this is when things happen, too. Um, it was about 6.30 in the morning. And we had a call from a OB and she said, I'm sending in my patient. She sounds like she's in labor. She's supposed to have a scheduled C-section. I, I know it was maybe later that day or the day after. She said, I don't think anything's going on, but you know, I'm sending her in. So, you know, see what you think. So we hear the doors bang open down the hall and I hear huffing and puffing. And I look and the patient is sitting in the wheelchair, you know, one, one cheek in it basically. And so she's very obviously in labor. So um, another nurse and I get the patient in bed and I turn to get the fetal monitoring equipment, the belts around her, the woman's belly. 
and I look down and I see a cord. The umbilical cord has prolapsed. Oh. And that is a true obstetrical emergency. So you put the bed where basically the patient's standing on her head, her feet's up in the air, heads down low. And we called in, you know, as many reinforcements as we could. Um, did a, a crash delivery and the baby we did resuscitation for about 45 minutes and the baby never responded. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, you just feel the air go out of the room because here was this full-term baby that should have been born and it was, but not, not alive. And, um, the, and the patient said, no, no, um, his sister is waiting at home. I, I have to take him home. He has to be okay. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And then, and I, I tell you, so this is like 21, two years ago. And I, I hope she, you know, is okay. I hope she got some help. And that's really a, a, a sad story. Um, but yeah. it's, it's what happens in L&D. Um, here in Baltimore, I was the scrub tech one night in the OR, and we had a woman come in 38 weeks, and um, she had called her doctor and said, you know, I'm thinking about it. I think I felt the baby move in a couple of days. So came in like four in the morning did a C-section and um, the cord was twisted like a, a, you know, the old phone cords on a landline, how it's a spiral. That's what this cord looked like. And usually in in the OR with the C-section, you have the um, NICU nurses and you have the, the pediatrician and you have, there's a whole lot of hubbub going on. And this was so surreal. It was just a, very silent room. There was no no backup for the baby because they, you know, the doctor had done a scan and didn't get a fetal heartbeat. So we know we knew what the outcome would be. And um, I'll never forget the OB when she took when she delivered the baby, and she looked and she said, "We had a dancer." to describe how the baby had twisted mm-hmm. and twisted the, it, her cord. So that was, you know, those are, you hope you remember all the good stuff about your nursing career, but some of these heartbreaking situations, they, they live with you. Yeah, they stick with you. And they, they live in you. You're thinking about this patient 20 plus years later and still hoping to be okay. And that's the level of compassion and love we have for our patients is that we still, years later, we're just sitting there wondering if everything turned out okay or what their life ended up being from that brief interaction that you had, that short term. But No, and and you're right. You know, we don't remember all the good outcomes because that's what's supposed to happen. You know, you've got a, (laughs) a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's supposed to go as according to plan and you know you learn quickly in a L&D environment that's not that's not the norm yeah um, I think it's 
people to know that too, because we, we do take for granted that medicine can do some amazing things and we still need to, you know, realize our limitations and how important it is to get regular follow-up and regular care because there are just, there are certain things we just, we can't do. We can't change the baby twisting inside the uterus. We, we don't have the ability to stop that baby from moving and make sure that everything's okay. I, yeah, it's just, I think people need to realize there are limits to what we can do as nurses, as doctors, as medical practitioners. Um, well, also the self-care you need after a day like that, that work, you know, cause you are expecting things to turn out just fine. And the patient obviously has their own grieving process, but that you walk away still carrying that so many years later, but I can imagine that day going home after work is just so mm -hmm. heavy. Yeah, and, and especially work night shift. You go home, you don't go right to bed, you know, you, you sit and you replay in your mind and it takes a while to, you know, refocus and recenter and, you know, get yourself back to. Um, so, you know, that's not to say that labor and delivery is not a fun place. And I used to say, you know what, there's no, it's not a coincidence that soap operas are set in hospitals. Because, well, you know, we, we would have some funny um, incidents. And, you know, one of the things, birth plans, birth plans. A woman would come in with a birth plan and it would be, you know, like a... <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you know, you come in with the birth plan and our response to each other would be, okay, who wants to go back to the OR and count instruments? <laughs> because many times a birth plan with this perfect uh, normal vaginal delivery ended up being a C-section with everything the patient did not want and would not tolerate happening to her. So, you know, that's, that's another thing. People have, have to be open and flexible because babies have their own agendas. And that's when you really learn you have no control over your children from the minute, <laughs> from the time they're born. You know, you have no control when they're born, how they're born, uh, when they, when they crawl, when they walk, when they pee, when they eat, when they potty train. You have no control over any of it. So you might as well get used to it as soon as you walk in the door to have that baby. That, that's it. You have no control. Um, <laughs> Right. But, you know, it's, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I did my share of, of parents who, you know, all the, the in-laws and extended family expected to be in there for the blessed event. And, you know, the, the nurses can be the patient's best friends and that we, we can serve as, uh, as really good bouncers and <laughs> yeah, at that time. That's a service that goes underappreciated. If you don't want somebody in the OR, tell your nurse, and that mm -hmm. nurse will say, sorry, we only allow, you can make up whatever rule you want just to get them all right. right in the room. Best bodyguards <laughs> around. That's right. You know, nurses are one of the most trusted professions around. So, you know, why would we lie? You can listen to us. But <laughs> typically, it was like, you know, well, my mother-in-law really wants to be in here, and I'm, I feel terrible, and I'm, I'm like, listen. Was she there at the conception? No, <laughs> then you shouldn't be there at the birth. That's your that's your criteria. <laughs> <laughs>
that's a great that's a great criteria that's a good rule I share that with your audience. Um, <laughs> and we had a visitor policy where um, no children under 12, unless they were siblings, to the new baby. Okay, fine. So, you know, guess what people do with oversized suitcases? They oh, put their geez. children in them and roll them down the <laughs> hall. <laughs> and these children will pop out of a suitcase so they can visit a new baby that they are not the siblings to. <laughs> well, I gotta yeah. say, it's pretty, pretty creative. I mean, it's very, you know, very I just being zipped up and just like, now be quiet, don't giggle. And then is, if you hit any bumps, like trying to keep the kids quiet. I think my kid, I don't think my kids would keep quiet. I think they'd be giggling the whole way down. And yeah, when did put these kids in the suitcase was it in the hallway was it before they got yeah. into the hospital before mm -hmm. in the elevator <laughs> yeah and like probably in the in the hallway out there was a, a little side hallway to our entrance where you know there was no foot traffic so they probably just diverted that way and you know pop the kids in the suitcase and rolled them right onto the unit so you know of course we know how many children a patient has. So when you see a room full of other children, you know they're not the siblings. So, and the nurse will rat you out in a minute. So, you know, the nurse for that patient, you know, said, boy, you know, the patient has kids in the room and they can't in the suitcase. It's like, God, this is going to be fun. So. Where'd all these kids and extra luggage come from? Yeah. He's bringing <laughs> yeah. all the luggage to the labor and delivery floor. It's mm -hmm. funny. So what else? Oh, I have another funny story. This is this one was cute, um, and it's a good story that I remember because it's a good story. Um, I came to work one morning, and one of the night nurses jumped. She says, "Lori, you—I mean, not even good morning, Lori. You have got to go see this patient in room twenty-six, whatever it was. She is beside herself." I said, "Well." What happened? The baby okay? Yeah, the baby's okay. She had a C-section, and in the operating room, wherever her clothes were, her bra got lost. Like, <laughs> so the nurse said, she is so upset, and she is she can't talk about anything else. I said, well, can I give her mine? I mean, what what can I do to help? And the nurse looked. She looks at my chest, and she goes. No, because <laughs> I'm not a chesty kind of girl. So I said, "Okay, well, let me at least put my stuff down in my office, and I'll go. I'll go see her." So I go, and then the whole time down the hall, I said, "Okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to handle this?" Because you know, I don't want to walk in there like, "Wow, I didn't know it was gone." So I go in the room. And the patient's in the bed, sitting straight up, like her eyes are bulging out of her head, and her significant other is sitting on the sleeper bench next to her, like like this, like, okay, would somebody please put me out of my misery? So I went and I introduced myself, and I said, you know, congratulations on the baby, how is everything? You know, I'm trying to talk it up there. Oh, everything's fine, the care was good, but let me tell you what happened. I don't know what happened to my bra. It is gone and it was an expensive bra. And I looked at this woman. I'm like, 
this bra would have been a serious feat of engineering because, oh yeah, it would have taken about <laughs> six of my bras maybe together sewn to accommodate her. So I said, oh gosh, you know, I am, I am so sorry. You must have been, you know, so much commotion in that room going on. Um, I said, you know, we'll look for it. I, I can't guarantee anything, but we'll do our best to, to find it. And, and you know, when you just listen to people and acknowledge that, you know, yeah, this, this happened and it really sucks, but we'll, we'll try to help. We'll do something. So she started, you know, coming down. So the guy is still over here with his hand in his head, like, you know, this is all I've heard all night about this rock. I said, sir, have you had anything to eat in the last, you know, eight hours or so? He said, no. I, I said, here, and I had these um, meal tickets. So this is what made people happen. Give them a ticket for the cafeteria for a free meal. Oh, God, they're thrilled. Solve so everything. I, yeah, I said, here, take this ticket. Go get yourself some breakfast. And here's another one for your wife. Go go get her a treat of some kind, okay? And, oh, he perked up. He took the tickets. He went upstairs. He never found the bra. But you know what? We also never got a complaint from the patient. <laughs> because we listened and we, you know, we did something. There was, yeah. we made an effort. I think most people are understanding that things can happen and not everything goes perfect. I do think they want people to acknowledge it and not just blow it off. It's like, it's, who cares? It's just a I know that's frustrating. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. if you're going to for you, that is frustrating. That. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like she wasn't able to shop off the rack with her bras, so that probably would have been a hard thing to find for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this was quite a special order, but anyway. Um... As you can tell, the audio started to get a little bit rough toward the end. We were starting to get some feedback. So unfortunately, we did have to cut the rest of the episode if we had left it in, you all would have been just frustrated trying to listen to uh, the episode with the audio issues. So I do appreciate you listening to this. Sorry for the, the abrupt end to the podcast, but I thank you so much. Please rate, review, subscribe, all of that. We would love to share more stories. And the more people that listen, the more we can continue to do this. Uh, so we appreciate you and the time you spend listening to our podcast.